Helen's the one that always remembers everything, though. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if I remember people's names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's up to you to uh, sigh and say uh, Corey whenever I do something dumb. <laughs> That's a tall order, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People try to put us to Just because we get around Talking about my generation Things ain't do look awful Talking about my generation I hope I die before I get old Talking about my generation 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 Talking I'm very enthused about this <laughs> duet podcast. Um, Helen, by her own mission, is being destroyed by various grad school things, so uh, it's just us. And we'll be talking about um, Yoshitoki Oima's two manga that she's done that have been published. She, has she done more than the two? I don't know. There aren't more than the two here. And I mean, and even the second one that she has is. Fairly recent. Yeah. Pretty sure it's still ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I could probably figure that out by the end of the the show, whether or not she has some more. And this is what we have Helen for. (laughs) That's exactly what she's for. (laughs) Yeah, but we will be talking about uh, first A Silent Voice, and then um, on the last half, her newer manga, To Your Eternity. Uh, But for this first half, oh right, the music... Was my generation from the Who, from the Silent Voice movie? Totally on top of things here. <laughs> uh, so, a Silent Voice is about this this kid named Shoya Ishiga. He used to bully the the uh, main character. He's the main character. She's the other main character, I guess. Uh, he used to bully Shoko Nishimiya because she was deaf and kids are terrible. And that's, that's basically the, the contents of like the, almost the entirety of the first volume, if not the whole first volume. And then the, the remaining six volumes are basically Shoya in high school. He has become like relatively despondent. Uh, she Oima visualizes this with X's over everybody's faces because he doesn't view them as important enough to remember. Uh, he's learned Japanese sign language in the interim as like his little way to atone because he knows that what he did was wrong, but he doesn't really have a way, a recourse around that uh, to to redeem himself in in his eyes because he doesn't know where uh, Shoko is. Um, and it's just kind of them re- reconnecting with each other uh, and reconnecting with their friends from, or at least one, one or two of their friends from elementary school that were bullying Shoko as well and trying to just, uh, you know, be friends in high school beyond, beyond this complicated thing of he was a bully toward her and, like, broke her hearing aids uh, at least one time. Which cost like two thousand dollars or something. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, so, what did you think of the manga when you first read it? I think I have a lot of different. I have a lot of different feelings about this one. Some of it uh, stems from the fact that I'm disabled myself, 
Um, and it's hard sort of seeing the kids pick on her. Um, I was lucky in that I wasn't picked on a whole lot, but it happened a couple of times. And um, it it's a little different from her experience in that other kids stood up for me. But I think the hardest part in the first volume is seeing him pick on her and then sort of watching the other kids sort of fall behind that. And then you have the one particular teacher that he kind of is like, no, you shouldn't really do that. But then he's like, but I kind of get why you would pick on her. And I'm like, oh, it's just like a whole completely group thing. Um, I think that was difficult for me uh, to read, at least initially. And then um, one of the things I was concerned about, at least in the first volume, um, is that she would sort of become maybe that she wouldn't have her own sort of character development or voice and she would be more of a inspiration for the other characters or a catalyst for the other characters. Um, I think that it improves as the series goes on, but that was definitely a concern that she would be more of an inspiration character as the, as a sort of um, disabled character. I was a little concerned about that just from my perspective. Um, I feel like she gets fleshed out some, but not as much as the other characters. Um, some of it, I guess, is harder because she doesn't, she obviously doesn't speak as often. Uh, but I do wish she would have gotten fleshed out a little bit, um, in the end. Yeah, it's difficult, a little difficult to, uh, have a character be talking, uh, not talking literally, but communicating with, uh, with the reader, given that they they speak in sign language and that's like, that's not very easy to translate into a manga. Mm-hmm. The manga was uh, produced with the in, in collaboration with like the Japanese Deaf Society or something. So the the depiction of it or the depiction of um, deaf characters in the manga is at least working with uh, real life deaf people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to that teacher. That teacher was really terrible. <laughs> he was a total jackass, and like yeah. even when they met him, like like. Um, later on in the series, he was like still a jackass. Like yeah. he was, his character was very consistent. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's like trying to hide that he was laughing at their jokes and being like, "Please stop bullying her," and then giggling to himself again. Yeah, he was. Well, that's got to be like in some kind of like teacher rule or something. Like they, there's some kind of ethical concern there has to be. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of. Uh, some of the recent plot lines in March comes in like a lion. Have you been watching that? Mm, I have not, but I'm familiar with. Yeah, it. yeah it's like bu- bullying in that, in that as well. But no one is disabled in that bullying. It's just like teenagers or preteens, teenagers being terrible to each other. Well, well, not only that with that particular teacher, but uh, he was he was very quick to throw. Of course, his name has completely escaped me. Sure, yeah. To throw, yeah, to throw him completely under the bus. Like, so he was, of course, he's the one in the background laughing at the jokes. But as soon as, um, it, it comes back to the school that he's destroyed some of her hearing aids, he's the, the teacher's the first person to say, Oh, I know you're the one that did it, so you might as well admit it. I mean, the way that that, um, the way that that flipped was really, um, yeah. I mean, it's really like, telling, I think. The, the principal is, like, in that class or something, and he's like, come on, Shoya, we all know you did it. Just speak up so we can get <laughs> out of this situation. It's like, perhaps if you dig something to begin with, we wouldn't be in this situation at all. Sure, sure, of course, yeah. Um, I think 
one of the other things that I really related to too was um, sort of later in the series um, when she obviously she doesn't talk a lot, but it does come up that she tries to be sort of amicable to people being mean to her, people being inconvenienced by her, and it's just sort of become a way to cope. So I think other characters would get irritated at her for that, so they would like want to mistreat her more. But I sort of understood for her kind of towing that line between, you know, I have this issue or this disability or whatever, and I don't want to inconvenience people, but I don't, there's not really a way for me to appropriately express my my emotions around this. So she just becomes kind of amicable about it and doesn't really say much. Um, that was definitely something that I felt was uh, at least somewhat of a realistic depiction for some folks. I'm just trying to figure out how to sort of fit in with everybody else, but not really having the space to talk about um, what it, what it's really like to be disabled and how that can make you differ from other people or even how your emotional experience uh, differs from other people. So that part of it was interesting. Yeah, and it's more difficult for her than, like, say, someone in a wheelchair or something, because the person in the wheelchair would presumably be able to speak to anyone else, but she, there's only one person that speaks her language, and that's just uh, Shoya, and, like, everybody else is making no effort to learn sign language either. I mean, absolutely none. Yeah. <laughs> none! <laughs> it's so. like she's a total, She's a. it's like they treat her like she's a total inconvenience it's just it's very ugh. yeah it's, just, it's very it's very upsetting <laughs> yeah and like realistically if you're all friends you should try to find some sort of middle ground between uh you guys learning sign language and her writing on the board maybe just like so it's inconveniencing yeah. to everybody but it's not like a maximum inconvenience to one person and then everybody else is very comfortable with their lives mm. yeah she totally yeah they totally just treat her like she's a complete inconvenience although she did have the one through the one classmate i think that maybe wanted to try to learn sign language but she got shunned so fast by the other kids that that i guess everybody just eventually learned oh you don't help her or this is what will happen to you so and there was even the other instructor i think that talked about trying to teach the kids sign language and they were like um no we don't want to do that yeah yeah in elementary school (laughs) yeah 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 they were they were definitely um not not about that at all um and then i think one of the other interesting things was their relationship with her mother so i don't think that she comes up a whole whole lot but i i thought that her mother was an interesting character and that she seemed like she was very harsh in the beginning like she wanted her daughter to cut her hair i guess so that she would look more like a boy so that people wouldn't uh, supposedly people wouldn't pick on her i mean she comes across very harsh um, but I don't think that she's totally unrealistic as a, as a parent of a child that might have different needs. You sort of know that your child is going to have potentially a harder time. So you have to kind of, um, be a little harsher with them sometimes. Cause if, it, if, um, sometimes if you're not a little bit harder at home, they're going to catch it in the world anyway. So I, I, I sort of understood her mother in a sense, but I did think there were times where I was like, wow, you don't need to be that harsh on her or, she should at least be able to come home and feel safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mom, but I definitely think both kinds of parents exist. <laughs> yeah, the mom character, uh, Shoko's mom, is probably the the one that I turned around on the most from the beginning to the end because at the beginning it seems like 
she's just kind of there to deal with Shoko's disability rather than there to raise and nurture her daughter. Um, but by the end, I think she, uh, her, her motives were revealed to just mm. her not doing it the right way, but she does really care for Shoko, even though she also doesn't learn sign language. So like, what the hell, everybody? Wait, did her mother, her mother didn't know sign language? I don't remember her knowing sign language. There's, there's like no way. <laughs> she has to, she has to have known sign language. I must have totally, I must have totally missed that. So does, so does she not communicate with her at all? I mean, but oh man, yeah, her, her sister speaks sign language, but right. uh, I guess she acts as an interpreter the whole time. Sounds exhausting. What? <laughs> I totally. Now that you've said that, now I'm like. You know, have the manga in my head, and I'm like, man, she never, you never do see her mother sign at all. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think Shoko has gone through some speech therapy, so she's able to communicate somewhat with her mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not like ideal. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, what did you think about, so there's a, once all of the friends get back together, it's, it, there are various people that um, the main character went to high school with, and they all sort of get back together. And um, one of the larger, I guess, uh, plot points is that they want to do a movie together. Yeah. Um, what did you What did you just think about that plot point in general? I was kind of if you like, nah, they could have left that part out, but then there would have been no way to make it kind of uh, cohesive. So I don't know. I don't know. What did you think about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I read it, I didn't reread it for this, even though I had, like, an extra week or whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I did, I do remember it kind of feeling a little awkward compared to everything else. Like, it was necessary to have something there to drive the plot for those couple volumes between um, Shoko and Shoya reuniting and... The, the kind of like suicide plot lines near the end. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it necessarily needed to be a film, though it did provide some sort of catharsis. Uh, ah, maybe that was the point of it then. Yeah, Go because ahead. like the. I forget his name, but like the dude that looks like Minixa from My Hero Academia, um, <laughs> who was who the director yeah. of the film. Yeah, he, he was like denying the. Uh, any sort of recognition resoundingly by the judges of the film, and that was that's not like a one-to-one comparison to the type of treatment that Shoko has been getting her entire life. But the kind of message that like don't listen to what other people say and just be yourself and do your do what you want. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't I hadn't actually I hadn't actually thought about that. That's an that's an interesting point. Um, Overall, I don't feel like his friends like stuck out a whole lot. Like I don't really remember a lot of them, except oh man, of course, like we are just terrible with names <laughs> on the show. But there's the there's the the one girl, and I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, uh, I think her name is Ueno. Mm-hmm. She's just oh, she was just terrible. Yeah. She was like awful. She was the absolute. Worst. She was to me. She was like irredeemable. I'm like no 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 no. This is just. I mean, and then, so she has a confrontation at the end with her, 
And it's sort of like, well, you know, to me, it came across like I treat you this way because you never tell other people how you feel. So I have to be angry at you and slap you because you just never say anything. And it makes me so angry. And it's just like, I can't I can't stand her character at all. Yeah, uh, I don't remember her having a sort of redeeming moment. Um, No. The dude that she brought in, I forget his name, too, but he's kind of like this Meltoski-ish dude. Uh, like, I don't, I don't remember him having any issues or being, having any sort of arc either. Uh, the, the taller oh. girl, though, that wore the heels, I think. Yeah. She was mm-hmm. an interesting character, though I don't exactly remember why I think she's an interesting character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was interesting. I, I wish, I feel like she might have been one of the first, uh, to before her, if I remember correctly. I feel yeah, like she's yeah. stuck a bit longer than some of the other characters that sort of cycled um, in and out. But yeah, I think you're right. Going back to what you said earlier, that the, the, the filming of the movie was meant uh, to contribute to the sort of redemptive arc at the end. Mm, I was kind of on the fence about it. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> they were I, super mean to her, and I just don't know if you can if everybody in that group can be redeemed for that. No, I, I don't think anyone anyone in the group should be redeemed fully. <laughs> except for Shoko, yeah. who did nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, like, Shoya, I think it got him to a, as close a place as you could. Um, but everybody else kind of went by the wayside just because they aren't the main characters. I mean, that's all right. I think the execution was a little flawed <laughs> in everything outside of Shoko and Shoya. Yes, I would have. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. It wasn't terrible, and yeah. I mean the the main dynamic is is at least it's so interesting that the other characters falling by the wayside isn't like oh man this is terrible. Yeah. Um, that dynamic is so good that that doesn't matter as much, but it isn't nearly as fleshed out as the as the main yeah the main two characters yeah and I, and it's noticeable yeah and this the manga is like super super great <laughs> like I love the manga um, but it's not without some major flaws uh and the reasons i love the manga are not are mostly not related to the reasons why they just vlog <laughs> yeah i uh, i definitely it's a compelling series and uh, like Corey said earlier we were supposed to talk about this a couple of weeks ago and i hadn't finished the series but i finished uh the seven volumes in a couple days so i mean it's one of those things that once you start to read it it's it's pretty easy to get through, and I can see why the series is so popular just in terms of um, um, how it's narratively set up. Like, it has a movie and all that now, which I haven't seen, but I can totally see how this made it into a movie, especially with the redemptive movie arc. It it, it, it slides right into a, mm-hmm. an, uh, like a live-action film like perfectly. So I can definitely see why this blew up as big as it did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, with that, let's take a short break, and then we'll be back to talk about To Your Eternity. We are back and we are here to talk about the second series by the same author called To Your Eternity. 
Um, this is a fairly new series. There are only two volumes out right now. Um, this is a little, this is sort of difficult to explain. Um, it, it definitely doesn't have, so far, it doesn't have a linear narrative like um, A Silent Voice. Uh, but To Your Eternity is basically about um, a god or gods sort of drop an orb onto the earth. Um, and the orb can take various forms. Um, in the first volume, the orb falls to the earth and it takes the form um, of a wolf. Um, the wolf then wanders back to a human boy. Um, and the human boy sort of lives by himself. Um, there's no other people around. He lives in sort of this dilapidated area. And the wolf is apparently was originally his friend that had been lost. I mean, when the orb inhabited the wolf, it made its way back to the boy. Um, so the first uh, chapter in the first volume is about sort of the boy and the wolf trying to find other people. Because, again, the boy is completely by himself. Um, so it, it's just about the life cycle of the orb as a wolf. Like I said, it's totally different than um, A Silent Voice. Um, in the second, uh, the second chapter, because um, the first volume is pretty much divided into two stories. The second chapter focuses on um, a young girl in a village of some sort. We're not really sure um, what exactly it is. Um, that is a part of a ritual, and eventually she has to die. And somehow that orb uh, becomes the boy, and then the boy makes his way to the village. So I think it's sort of it's sort of tied into sort of life cycle stuff, but it, it's a it's a strange book. Uh, Corey said that it was weird, um, and I think that that's the best way to describe it. I like it, but it's it's different. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Corey. Yeah, uh, I mean, based on a silent voice, I certainly didn't expect something like this. I didn't know what to expect. Like, on the cover, it's the boy and the wolf, and I thought it was just going to be, like, them chilling out, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> it's not what it is. Yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah, the first, uh, like you said, the, it's basically splitting into two parts, and that's because that first chapter is 80 pages, and then the subsequent chapters are only 40 pages. Mm. Um but yeah, they're, it's like about that that orb that was dropped to Earth, learning to be learning to be human, learning to be wolf, because it can change between these shapes. And when it when they meet that uh, that little girl, it's, I don't believe it's gotten to that point yet. Yeah. So uh, in the in the second volume, they they reveal that like. The, there's the there's a, a difference in the technological advancements of these villages. Like the mm. people that took the girl are much more technologically advanced than the people, or than the girls' tribe. And then I think the the boys' tribe is much more along the lines of the girls' tribe. Um, so I think she Weba is making like this sprawling world where this uh, where this orb is going to just learn about all of these tribes and that. How to be human. Uh, eventually, it starts to learn uh, speech because it, it obviously can't talk yet, given that it was a rock for several millennia. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little complex. Something to bite into. It it doesn't seem as complex when you read it. So if you if you're listening to this and you feel like you have no idea what we're talking about, it's a lot easier if you just read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't even know where to go with this one. I think that that first chapter is is really, really good. Um, 
I had had it sort of sitting around and it's one of those ones. I was like, I'll, I'll, you know, I got it. And I'm like, I, you know, I need to get to it. And I picked it up uh, one Friday night really, really late. And I read it. I'm like, well, that's totally uh, not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a, um, a lot of the um, it, it, a lot of the hype that we've seen, at least in, in the section of Twitter that you and I tend to say on is probably because of that first chapter. Um it almost feels like it could have been a one-shot chapter, and it, it's just in those 80 pages, there's a pretty good story there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only read one volume, so I don't know if the series becomes more linear as it goes on. It might just be a series where she tries to just explore various concepts or just ideas about life. Maybe there is no overarching story at this point. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, she's just trying to explore what it means to live. Because it does have, you know, the rock, the wolf, the boy, uh, eventually the boy meets the, the little girl, and they kind of form a kinship with each other. And um, it, it's just the, the orb continually going through um, other people's lives and just kind of learning about what, how, they, how this boy lives his life, how this little girl lives her life. Than how these other people live their lives as as the story progresses progresses into volume two, you meet more characters and th- and this orb is running into more people and um learning learning what they're all about you know. So do you do you think I guess I was particularly interested in that first chapter. Do you think that we'll ever know where the boy in the first chapter where he lived and and why everybody was gone because there's clearly nobody there and he's looking for them and he um. He doesn't get there. Oh, I thought that first chapter said where they all went. Or, no, I don't think it said where they all went, but I know the first chapter, I thought, said that they all ended up uh, dying on this frozen tundra. Oh, they would... Oh! <laughs> okay, that was, seems like a crucial uh, plot point <laughs> that I might have missed. <laughs> I thought that he was actually going... Uh, going. I don't know, if, maybe I had gotten it confused. Maybe, maybe he was like looking for more people as opposed to the people that he was originally with. Yeah, um, he, was, he was looking originally for the people he was with, but then for more people. Like, early on in this chapter, it has these stones uh, lined up, and it's like, here's the ones that stayed behind, and they were old folks I couldn't save. So I presume that meant that they were dead, and then he keeps going, and he meets, or he sees, like, uh, evidence that people have been here, it says in the book. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh, a whole bunch of these stones that are stacked up the same way that he stacked up for the old people. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And then so when he goes on the journey in the in that first chapter, there are those stones that point the direction. Um, So she's really good at using those X's, I guess, like when she used it (laughs) in a silent voice, too. And so when you run into that X in the first chapter, you're like, oh, no, (laughs) it's just that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because some of them have got arrows, and it's like, yeah, go this way, and then eventually mm-hmm. it has an X where it's like, there's nothing over here. We shouldn't mm-hmm. have left our village. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that this series was licensed um, because of a silent voice? Because I can't, I can't see this being picked up without the popularity of that one. Yeah, I think it's either because of a silent voice or because it's going to get an anime soon. <laughs> it's always one of those. Which one is going to get an anime soon? 
Oh, uh, some usually not usually. I should I shouldn't. Say oh, that, oh, you're but, saying but, yeah. think that well. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot what? of times these <laughs> these manga companies will uh, get the manga before the anime comes in because they're in the know and they want to have a couple volumes out before the anime comes out. Yeah, they they're they're privy to something that uh, we're not. I'm like, wow, two year attorney is going to get an anime. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be an interesting anime. Yes, it would. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to see, like, if she'd had any interviews about this series, just to see, like, what her thought process was behind this, like, you know, when she sat down to create this series, like, like, what was she trying to explore? Maybe that will come, um, maybe that will come in time. Yeah. Um, some more themes will come out and we'll be able to, to tell. And I wonder if this is, like, the exact translation, uh, Wikipedia says is not, Tier Eternity isn't, isn't the exact translation. So, like, when I read Tier Eternity, I would wonder, like, who is your, um, in the, in the title? Like, who, oh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is this in Eternity referring to? Like, is it the orb? Is it someone, or is it like humanity as a whole or something? Uh, but mm-hmm. the Japanese is literally translated as to you, the immortal, which is not the same. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Um. Because I thought that the god did the gods drop the orb specifically to just find out more about life. I don't know where I'm getting that from, or if there was something in the middle of the book. I've actually got the book in front of me, and I'm trying to think if that's what was if it was really dropped for that specific purpose. Yeah. At the beginning, it's uh, the opening page says in the beginning it was an orb. But it was more than an orb. It could replicate any form. I decided to cast the orb onto the earth and observe the results. Observe. Mm. What did I say? Observe? That's not a word. <laughs> it's the orb. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was definitely some sort of, uh, at least what I'm getting from that, is that there was some sort of intention or purpose behind it being dropped. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's like some... Some all almighty, all knowing being wanting to observe Earth from the first hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the third volume is due out um, here in a few weeks or so. So yep. uh, we would get to find out a little bit more about this one because it's definitely out there. But I, I think that I would still, I would still recommend it. It's just, it's just very hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's very. Uh, I can't think of, word, of the word now, but uh, the, the word where, like, <laughs> you're inside of your head thinking about what it is the whole time. Um, and it's very... Oh, oh, I... <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't know, self-reflective? Yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. It's very philosophical in how it is, and it's, like, tackling all of these ideas about life and what it means to be alive. The second volume, I think, uh, puts a puts a more solid stamp on what it's trying to do. Uh, but I don't want to, like, reveal all the Lewis to you since you haven't read the second volume. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go get that. I may I may actually uh, go get that this weekend just because uh, just because I, I was curious about the second volume. And um, for anybody that is curious about the series or is at least curious about um, that first chapter, it does look like uh, on the Kodansha website, they do have the entirety of the first chapter up here, and it, it is the full 80 pages. So if you are curious about how the series starts and then sort of what the general vibe of it is, uh, the, the first vo- the first chapter is there. And it's a pretty good um, <clears throat> indicator of 
at least what the first volume is like. So. Yep. And the entirety of the silent voice is on Crunchyroll manga for seven more days. Today is February seven. 21st, so... Seven more days, really? Yeah, they're taking it off at the end of February. Oh, man, why is that? Is it just it's been there, uh, licensed things, probably? Yeah, probably. I'm not really sure of the circumstances. I didn't read any of the articles. I just <laughs> read the uh, read the headlines and the hot takes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's how you do news nowadays. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, you all should read that, too, um, on Crunchyroll. If that's, if that's uh, set to go, uh, give that a few more clicks and uh, give it a read, because that, that is a, a good series as well. Yep. Um, I don't know if we have any uh, final thoughts about this or if where. Hey, <laughs> I don't know how to wrap this one up here. It's it's a weird <laughs> one. Yeah, I think we've exhausted uh, what we can say about Tiri Tari. Yeah, but it's definitely um, an interesting series. If you're interested in the particular author, I would definitely start with a silent voice first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't. The two series don't really complement each other at this point so eh, it's it's really more of what you're into um the prior series has more of a storyline and people and things so you might want to start there yeah, um, the only but, thing they uh, share is an author, author. <laughs> yes that's the perfect way to describe it the only thing they share is an author yes that's that's perfect not that they're not both good because they are but yeah that yeah. right now that is uh the only sh- uh, strict commonality yep um, but yeah, hopefully we, uh, <laughs> just the two of us this week have uh, convinced you all to pick up um, a couple more series. Um, as always, I guess we should uh, say where we are online, and I'll let you go ahead, Corey. All right. Uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm Compassionate K, and I do another podcast called the Taiku Podcast, uh, which is about sports anime, usually. Um, and I am on Twitter at Mangia Ren. Um I am sometimes doing reviews, and I will have to tweet those. Um, I haven't done any in a while, but I've got a new one up, so I will have to tweet that out to everybody. And you should come um, find us on Twitter at uh, Manga in Your Ears. Yep. Um, we will be we will be back um, hopefully in a couple of weeks, and maybe with three of us, we will see. You just never know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, two new series. So we hope you all will join us then. Bye bye. Bye. What we all